Public Radio KMXT is supported by a grant from North Pacific Fuel, serving and continuing the tradition of excellent service to the community at three locations, Marine Dock at 715 Shelikoff Street, Gas and Go at the Y, and Gas and Go at Mill Bay. It is nearly 12 o'clock and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT, broadcasting on 100.1 FM. It is your public radio station from Kodiak, Alaska, where we have overcast skies and 40 degrees. Out at the airport, they are seeing northwest winds to 12 miles per hour, 89% humidity, and 10 miles of visibility. Look for these clouds to clear up. High near 44 today, west winds to 5. A 40% chance of rain after midnight tonight, though mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 37, south winds to 10. Increasing to 15 after midnight could gust as high as 20. Coming up on the midday report, one of the mushers for next year's Iditarod will be from Australia. A man shot outside his home in Anchorage last month was the 24th homicide in Anchorage this year. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. It's getting chilly in Moore County, North Carolina, but tens of thousands of people out of power since Saturday are being told to brace for days longer. NPR's Ryan Lucas reports the FBI is stepping in after authorities blamed deliberate attacks on power facilities. The FBI Charlotte Field Office says it is investigating what it calls the willful damage to power facilities in North Carolina's Moore County. The Bureau says it is working alongside local law enforcement, but declined to provide any further details on the investigation. Local authorities have said that two substations were hit by gunfire over the weekend. The Moore County Sheriff says multiple rounds were fired at the facilities in what he called a targeted attack. Officials say tens of thousands of customers have been left without power as a result. Ryan Lucas, NPR News, Washington. The Supreme Court today took on another case pitting a Christian business owner who opposes serving same-sex couples against Colorado's public accommodation laws. Justice Sonia Sotomayor asked, where's the line? How about people who don't believe in interracial marriage? Or about people who don't believe that disabled people should get married? Kristen Wagner is defending the wedding website designer who says selling to same-sex clients violates her religious beliefs. The line is that no one on any side of any debate has to be compelled to express a message that violates the core convictions. Five years ago, the court ruled in favor of a Colorado baker who would not make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple, but left open the question of whether businesses have the free speech right to refuse services. Today's more conservative court could decide that question. Georgia's Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and his Republican opponent Herschel Walker are on their final campaign swings ahead of tomorrow's runoff election. It's the last undecided Senate race. Nearly two million people have already voted early. The CDC is warning three dangerous respiratory viruses are all spreading widely. NPR's Rob Stein reports the timing is especially bad ahead of the holiday season. 
CDC Director Rochelle Walensky and Dr. Sandra Feihofer from the AMA say RSV, flu, and COVID-19 are all hitting the country hard. RSV and the flu started spreading unusually early this year, and now the number of people being hospitalized for COVID has started to increase again. Here's Dr. Sandra Freihofer from the AMA. Flu's here. It started early, and with COVID and RSV also circulating, it's a perfect storm for a terrible holiday season. So Walensky and Freihofer are urging people to get vaccinated and take other precautions. Rob Stein, NPR News. At the closing bell on Wall Street, all three major indices were lower. The Dow down about 1.4 percent, or 483 points. It's NPR News. Shops have shut their doors in several Iranian cities following calls for a three-day strike and confusion over the status of the morality police. Their arrest of Masa Amini for a dress code violation and her subsequent death sparked a protest movement. Over the weekend, a government official indicated the police unit would be disbanded. There's been no confirmation of that, though. A meme has become the Oxford English Dictionary's Word of the Year. NPR's Anastasia Stulkis reports that a popular online vote led to the phrase Goblin Mode winning the top spot of 2022. The lexicographers at Oxford define Goblin Mode as, quote, a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. The phrase briefly went viral on TikTok this past spring, but it ratcheted up in popularity during the Oxford Dictionary's two-week popular vote period. Along with Goblin Mode, the two other words and phrases that were up for the Oxford vote were Metaverse, which is associated with Facebook's corporate name change to Meta, and the hashtag IStandWith. Goblin Mode won 93% of the popular vote. Anastasia Tsilikas, NPR News, New York. The best in men's soccer round of 16 is now down to 10 teams. At the World Cup in Qatar, Brazil got help today from its star forward Neymar back from an ankle injury. Brazil beat South Korea 4-1. to Tomorrow, it's Morocco versus Spain and Portugal against Switzerland in the knockout round. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from DuckDuckGo, a company committed to making privacy online simple. DuckDuckGo's app includes a private search engine, web browser, and email protection with one download. More at DuckDuckGo.com. NPR News is presentada a usted en parte por la Providence Kodiak Island Centro de Asoramiento. Para una cita o más información, por favor llama al 907-481-2400. For KMXT, I'm Terry Haynes. Among the Iditarod dog mushers to sign up for the 2023 race just before a recent important deadline is Australian Christian Turner. Turner is an unlikely entrant in the 1,000-mile sled dog race from Anchorage to Nome, but not for lack of experience. He's a two-time finisher, placing his highest at 15th in 2015, his last Iditarod. But the idea to run his next Iditarod came rather unexpectedly when Turner saw his friend, three-time champ Mitch Seavey, post a video a couple of weeks ago of his dog team looking good, but with the comment that he wouldn't be competing in the next Iditarod. And I just jokingly messaged him saying, I'll run your team. Literally all I wrote was, I'll run your team. And he private messaged me straight away and said, let's make this happen. So 
I hadn't thought about it seriously at all. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'll just throw that little comment in there. And he wrote back like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay, well, now I've got to talk to my wife. I've got to actually be serious about this. Turner works as a carpenter but runs dogs, often behind a bike or scooter, and he's a rep for nonstop dog wear. He's now fast-tracking his training, running hills early in the morning near his home in Queensland before the temperature climbs later in the day. It was pushing 100 degrees there recently, but it's the cold temperature in Alaska, like the 50 below he experienced in 2015 in Huslia, that's on Turner's mind. Honestly, that's the thing I'm most worried about. Um, the rest I can sort of fake it until I make it, but the cold, you can't really do that. You can't, um, you know, you can't work around the cold. You've got you to prepare for it. And so I'm hoping that the four weeks I'm there was a little bit over four weeks I'm there before the race will be enough to acclimatize and, you know, all my muscle memory and my, uh, my schedules and my, my systems, I guess it's systems of how to keep yourself warm and what layers to wear when and how, and when you're running up the hills and all those types of things. It was an offer Turner couldn't turn down. He's run Dallas CV's younger race dogs in the past. This time it's the best dogs from Mitch's team. People always ask me like, cause it's such a rare thing especially in Australia, people are always like, oh, you're going to do it again. And I, I, my answer to them has always been, oh, I, I'd do it again if I moved there and started my own kennel or if I, um, I had the opportunity to have a, you know, an adult team and race professionally and like with a, with a good schedule, like a competitive schedule. And yeah, I, I didn't actually think that was ever going to happen. It appears to be happening, and Turner is one of several mushers to sign up for the Iditarod right before the entry fee doubled at $8,000 at the end of November. That includes top 10 finishers, Wade Mars, Jesse Royer, and 2019 champion Pete Kaiser. The 34 dog mushers currently signed up to run the 2023 Iditarod would still be the fewest in the race's 50-year history. KMXT Local News is underwritten in part by GCI. GCI has adjusted store hours across the state to keep our customers and employees as safe as possible during this time. The most up-to-date store hours are available on GCI.com. Grocery store companies Kroger and Albertsons announced a plan to merge in October, but have yet to address questions about how it would affect Fred Meyer and Safeway stores in Alaska. KUAC's Robin has this report. The corporations announced the merger agreement October 14th and produced a joint website, KrogerAlbertsons.com, and brief video statements from the CEOs. The combination of Kroger and the Albertson companies is a tremendous opportunity to bring together two highly complementary organizations. Rodney McMullen, Kroger chairman, promised efficiencies and a, quote, world-class shopping experience, unquote. But Alaskans are worried about jobs and the downsides of such a merger. Kroger runs Alaska's Fred Meyer stores, and Albertsons runs cars and Safeway stores. And what that means when they say they're getting more efficient, which is how they sort of sell this, is they mean they're firing people. It means you had two grocery stores, and now you have one. So you have half as many employees, but all the same customers. That's Graham Downey, consumer advocate for the Alaska Public Interest Research Group. The two grocers are among Alaska's largest employers. Currently, Safeway stores are unionized and Fred Meyer stores are not. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union Local 1496 has been negotiating with Fred Meyer, but has not commented on that or the merger. 
Nationally, Kroger is the nation's second-largest supermarket chain. Albertsons is the fourth-largest. Vivek Sankaran, the current CEO of Albertsons, says the new company will upgrade stores and expand the brands they sell. Together, we'll be able to create a premier omnichannel retailer and provide even more personalized service to customers across the country. If the deal is allowed, Kroger would buy Albertsons for $24.5 billion, and the new company would be as big as Walmart and Amazon, with nearly 5,000 stores serving 85 million households across the U.S. But in Alaska, where the supply chain is vulnerable, consumers care more about food security. There are some independent grocers in Alaska, niche stores like Roaming Root in Fairbanks, the IGA store in Delta, and the member-owned co-op grocery in Fairbanks. There are wholesalers like Costco, and there are also other chains, like Walmart with 10 stores, but not all sell groceries, the Alaska Commercial Company with 33 stores serving rural communities, and the emerging Three Bears chain with 11 stores. But the 12 large Fred Meyer and 35 car Safeway stores are the major competitors in Kenai Soldatna, Valdez, Wasilla Palmer, Juno, Anchorage, and Fairbanks. They serve more Alaskans in those population centers than any other retailers. In many Alaska towns, like Fairbanks, the Safeway and Fred Meyer stores are across the street from each other. Downey says if the merger goes through, one of those stores would close. Then you have market power, the power to set the prices. You don't have that competitor across the street making sure you don't have a crazy price on milk or cucumbers. You can pretty much name your price and people are going to have to pay it. Repeated calls and emails to Kroger and Albertson's corporate offices over the last month were not returned. The merger, planned for early 2024, must first meet antitrust standards. Attorneys General in Washington State, Illinois, California, and the District of Columbia have now filed suits to prevent various aspects of the merger, such as an illegal monopoly that would hurt consumers. Two Alaska legislators have written a letter to the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, explaining Alaska's unique shipping situation and asking them to investigate the potential for price hikes if Kroger and Albertsons merge. Akperg's Graham Downey says the FTC is starting to look at the effects of such market power. Prices might be less in the short term, but like long term, what kind of economy are we creating here? We creating a diversified economy of lots of local businesses that's keeping money circulating within our state, or are we making a tiny number of shareholders very rich? Downey says the Alaska Public Interest Research Group is asking consumers to sign a letter to Alaska's congressional delegation telling them to oppose the merger. On the merger website, the corporations say until the transaction closes, Kroger and Albertsons will remain separate, independent companies. In Fairbanks, I'm Robin. Marianne Schneider saw her boyfriend shot and killed last month outside their Anchorage home. Brad Roberts' death is the 24th homicide in Anchorage this year. As Alaska Public Media's Chris Clint reports, Schneider is among the family and friends left grieving a sudden loss. Marianne Schneider stands in the living room of her trailer home, surrounded by boxes filled with clothes, games, and toys. The artifacts of a shared life cut short. Most of this is just me trying to clear out because I can't look out there without seeing where he died. Schneider's boyfriend, 23-year-old Brad Robert, was shot and killed outside their trailer home early on November 11th during a fight between three other people. She says he was just trying to help. Police have arrested Anthony Tinker III and charged him with Robert's murder. 
Schneider is left struggling with his unexpected death, sorting through memories, the court system, and how to move away from a home scarred by his death. She flips through a thick stack of photos, all featuring him. This is actually of uh, his brother, his uh, stepdad, and his son. Her favorite? An image of him holding his two-year-old son. Their son actually uh, came out as a stillborn, and it was Brad singing to him that made him take his first breath again. Robert also bonded with Schneider's seven-year-old son, Justin, over video games. On the night of the shooting, Schneider says she and Robert heard a disturbance outside involving a man and two women. She didn't know the man had a gun, but she saw what happened next. Brad had stepped outside and was like, it was something along the lines of, this looks like assault to me, and they didn't pay him any attention. So he walked down the steps towards them, and he tried separating the two girls. And that's when the other one started yelling, don't touch her, that's my daughter, let go of my daughter, something like that. She said that about three times, and that is when the guy shot him. Schneider ran outside barefoot in the snow, calling 911. The guy might have been standing about here. They were facing like that way. Police dispatchers asked her to give Robert CPR, but he had been shot in the head and was barely breathing. But there was no life in his eyes. And when the police finally came, they took one look at him and was like, you can stop now. Police did not arrest Tinker until four days later, and it wasn't initially for the shooting. Officers describe a chaotic series of events that started November 14th. First, they picked up Tinker after someone reported him yelling and having a mental health episode outside. Then, police took him to Providence, Alaska Medical Center's psychiatric unit. He was released hours later. The hospital won't comment on why he was admitted or released, citing patient privacy. Police say Tinker then stole two cars, including the taxi he left the hospital in. He later kicked out residents of an apartment at gunpoint and was arrested the next morning following a SWAT standoff. He was later charged in Robert's murder following police interviews. Schneider says prosecutors have been providing her with updates on the case. I, I just couldn't imagine doing something like that. Or anybody doing something like that. I mean, I know it happens every day, obviously, but it's... Schneider wants Tinker to suffer the same fate as Robert, but she knows there's no death penalty in Alaska. And a lot of people that know me really well might be surprised by that. I, I'm typically um, a lot more forgiving. But it, uh, it changed a lot of people's lives, what he did. Tinker faces numerous charges in Robert's death, including first-degree murder. In Anchorage, I'm Chris Clint. Read Diverse, Read Indie on Insight Daily Radio. Conversations with today's most influential authors from the world of independent publishing. Flip This Risk for Enterprise Security is the latest book by Dr. Karen Hardy, providing a holistic snapshot of select important security management issues. This compilation of stories from experts in the field provides unique and creative perspectives on several security management areas, including risk and resilience, business continuity, executive protection, governance risk and compliance, global monitoring, and travel and event security. With a diversity of experts who happen to be all women, the book provides powerful narratives from personal and professional viewpoints, creating an opportunity for readers to easily grasp the concepts that frame security management in organizations. We spoke with her about the book. 
Well, you know, honestly, risk is really, it's a permanent part of our lives. It really is. And we take risk for various reasons. One is to create the quality of life we desire or that we want. Or we take risk to uh, be safe. And, or we take risk to be fulfilled. We take risk to secure and retain the value of things that matter to us most. And that applies to everybody. No one's excluded from that. It's really the question is, what is your appetite for success? What is your appetite for happiness? And then we, again, make choices. We make trade-offs. Uh, we look at what the potential loss is versus the potential gain. And then we make choices. That's Dr. Karen Hardy on her book, Flip This Risk for Enterprise Security, which is available wherever books are sold. Read Diverse, Read Indie is presented by the Independent Book Publishers Association. What if accessing your personal and family immunization records was as easy as checking your phone? The Docket app is a secure option that allows Alaskans to quickly access their immunization records. Need immunization records for school or travel? Docket makes it simple and is available for download from the App Store or Google Play. Learn more at vaccinationrecords.alaska.gov. Paid for by the Alaska Department of Health. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Monday. It is the fifth day of December, the year 2022. The sun rose today at 9.35. It will set again at 4.25, giving us 6 hours and 50 minutes of precious daylight, a loss of 2 minutes and 22 seconds compared to yesterday. A record high for this date was 48 degrees set in 1978, and our record low was 4 degrees set in 1988 and in 2005. Currently 40 degrees under overcast skies, although the weather service says clouds are expected to part later this afternoon. High near 44 today. West winds around 5. For tonight, a 40% chance of rain after midnight. Mostly cloudy skies overnight with a low around 37. South winds to 10. Increasing to 15 after midnight. Could gust up to 20. And partly sunny skies tomorrow after 9 a.m. There's a 30% chance of rain in the early morning hours. High near 40 tomorrow with west winds to 10, becoming west 20 in the afternoon. Could gust as high as 25. And mostly cloudy overnight on Tuesday, mostly sunny on Wednesday and Thursday. Mariners, here's your forecast for Marmot Island to Sitkanak, Kodiak's east side offshore. Small craft advisory through Tuesday. Southwest 20 today, seas to 11 feet. Coming up to southwest 25 tonight, seas to 11 feet. For tomorrow, southwest 25, seas coming up to 12 feet. And for Tuesday night, northwest 40, seas to 14 feet. For Wednesday, northwest 45, seas to 18 feet. Over in the Shelikoff Strait, small craft advisory for tonight and Tuesday. Southwest 15 today, seas to 4 feet. Coming up to southwest 25 tonight, seas coming up to 7 feet. And for tomorrow, west 25, seas to 6 feet. Although Tuesday night they are showing west 30, seas 7 feet coming up to 9 feet on Wednesday. 
The following are upcoming Kodiak Island Borough public meetings. On Tuesday, December 6th at 3 p.m., the Fire Protection Area Number 1 will be having their special board meeting in the Kodiak Island Borough Conference Room Number 121. The assembly work session that was scheduled for Thursday, December 8th has been canceled. The Women's Bay Service Area Board will be having their meeting in the Women's Bay Fire Hall Tuesday, December 13th. That's happening at 5.30 p.m. And the Planning and Zoning Commission will be having a work session in the assembly chambers Wednesday, December 14th at 6.30 p.m. All meetings are open to the public. Meeting packets are available on the Kodiak Island Borough website. Contact the Borough Clerk's Office at 907-486-9310 with any questions. The Kodiak Island Borough Mayor and some members of the Assembly will be in attendance of the Alaska Municipal League Conference in Anchorage from December 5th to December 9th. The next Assembly work session is scheduled for Thursday, December 29th. The next Assembly regular meeting is scheduled for Thursday, January 5th. The City Ports and Harbor Advisory Board will hold a meeting on Tuesday, that's tomorrow at 12 p.m. in Fisherman's Hall. This meeting is open to the public. Agendas and meeting packets are available online at the City of Kodiak website, where it will also be web-streamed. For more information, call the City Harbor Department at 907-486-8080. Kodiak Audubon's annual membership meeting will be happening Friday, December 9th. It's also the Winter Birds presentation. Bill Pyle will review the details of the Christmas bird count, and Robin Corcoran will present a slideshow with identification tips on the winter birds of Kodiak. The event will be held at the Kodiak College in rooms 128 through 130 of the Benny Benson Building. Join them at 6.30 p.m. to renew your membership, enjoy a slice of pizza, and sign up for this year's Christmas bird count. The talk will begin at 7 p.m. It's a wonderful opportunity to sharpen your skills for the 2022 count. This year's count will be held in town Sunday, December 18th, and at Narrow Cape on Saturday, December 31st. The Filipino American Association of Kodiak cordially invites you to their annual Christmas party. It's also a potluck. It's happening at St. Mary's Gym Saturday, December 10th from 6 to 9.30 p.m. Come and join us in this joyous event. Enjoy food, dancing, singing, live band, and games. Attire is semi-formal to formal and traditional Filipino clothing. Let's celebrate and have a jolly good time. Again, that's St. Mary's Gym, 6 to 9.30 on Saturday. Also happening on Saturday, the Chiniac Christmas Market. It was put off from last weekend. It's happening at the Chiniac Library. Take a right on King Crab Way at mile 41 and a quarter. The road will curve to the right, and the library is located on the left-hand side of the road. They're featuring... Arts, crafts, pottery, salves, preserves, baked goods, and more, all handmade in Kodiak. And again, that's next Saturday from noon to 4 p.m. at the Chiniac Library. Also happening on December 10th, the Miniature Quilt Show and Bake Sale. That's happening from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday at the St. Mary's St. James Church, 4 to 6 p.m. Enter your miniature quilts for a show or sale. Quilt dimensions should be close to 20 by 20 or smaller. That's inches. Prize for best in show. Quilters may enter up to five miniature quilts per entry fee, which is $10. Show participants may donate 5% of their sale proceeds to benefit the St. James Church if they like. And 
to enter, contact Ellen Lester at 942-3868. And entry forms can be emailed to you for your convenience. And coming up on Sunday, December 11th, the Holiday Bells from the Isle Bells. It's their 12th annual concert presentation, and it will feature guest performances by the Alpha Singers. That's happening Sunday, December 11th, this next Sunday, 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. at the Gerald C. Wilson Auditorium. And you'll want to check the Kodiak Arts Council website for details. Join your friends and neighbors to watch the Kodiak fleet light up their holiday lights and parade through Near Island Channel. That's happening December 17th. So you have until the 17th to get your boats all decorated. Should high winds cause the parade to be canceled, the decorated boats will be available for viewing in their stalls at both Townside St. Paul Harbor and the St. Herman Harbor on Near Island. For more information, contact the Kodiak Maritime Museum at 907-486-0384 or you can email them at info at kodiakmaritimemuseum.org. And don't forget, until December 23rd, Matson has sponsored free admission to the Aleutic Museum. So go in and check out all the cool exhibits at the Aleutic Museum from now till December 23rd. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT two times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. and during the midday report at 1220. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org.